Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And since we, for this particular topic, we need to release when we're recording this one. This is about, roughly about 4.15 on the day before we drop, which will be uh, March 24th. So we're going to do a, a follow-up about the corona and where we're at with America, what's going on, and, and, and all that stuff. Um, so I, as a full disclosure, the, la- the last week's episode we recorded basically before everything got turned off without really any projection of what America was going to do about this. It was more looking at it from the X's and O's from the data that we had at the time about what the disease is and what it does. And, you know, we kind of mentioned that no system is really ready to be overwhelmed, uh, particularly the medical system. And in Pennsylvania uh, is which where I'm at and you are too, father. (laughs) The governor just came on TV roughly two hours ago and broke down a new plan that directly affects Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and a couple of other counties that said, essentially, we're not allowed to leave our our houses unless it's for something directly life required, you know, going and getting food and stuff of that nature. If it's not something that you literally would die of, you don't have, you pretty much need to stay inside for two weeks, but leaving the door open that that can be extended and extended. So I understand the math of, of where they are coming from and the, the fear of overwhelming a health cycle. But I also look at statistics and, and are able to put some numbers behind what is going on. So specifically here in the county that I live in, there are 46 affected people, only six of which are in a hospital. So to turn off essentially 90% of the employees for six hospital beds to me seems drastic overkill, to say the least. And I know for a fact that I have crews that don't know how they're going to pay for anything and mortgages are still due Rents are still due. Light bills are still due. Yeah, sure. Um, Duquesne Light is going to allow you to miss this payment, but you're still going to have to pay for the electricity you're using in the month of March. It's just a problem that you're kicking the can down the road. So while I recognize that getting an overwhelmed health system will create panic, I am also recognizing the fact that the panic is the biggest culprit of damage in this situation now. And I'm most worried about the economic side of it, not just for my business, but the fact is, is as we've talked about many times, the vast majority of Americans don't have a single week's worth of savings. And if you go into a spot where you can't work for at minimum two weeks, probably going to be much longer. um, What are you going to do? And it's, it's going to be a very bad problem that, that some people quite frankly, would may never have recovered from. And when we look back in the rearview mirror one year from now, they probably would rather have said they'd deal with a very nasty flu that will take them out of commission than, than a month and a half worth of no income. So with that being said, that's, uh, that's my take on it as far as where we're at, not trying to downgrade the seriousness of this flu or, or anything like that. I just think that at the end of the day, we're taking a chainsaw to a problem that a scalpel should be used for. And 
it's where we're at. So with that being said, Father, um, to kind of give an update as far as where I'm feeling, where we're at, and my local situation here in Pittsburgh. And I uh, want to give the floor to you before I go on to a, a weird tangent. <laughs> well, and it's, uh, you know, s- such an interesting situation. Of course, uh, you and I are in, you know, different professions. Uh, obviously, we have the same faith, but, you know, my my profession, which is uh, to be a priest and to serve the faithful in a variety of ways is, uh, you know, I have a certain set of concerns and a, and a certain look at things. And you as a, as a businessman and as a married man and, you know, obviously part of the community, you have a different set of, and I don't, I don't even mean uh, con- conflicting by any means, but just uh, the, the, the things that are immediately, you know, dollar signs or and, and employment and, uh, you know, those things are going to immediately come to attention for you. Uh, and they do for me too, m- more secondhand because I talk to people like you. <laughs> I just talked to a friend of mine <laughs> who just became the HR manager for a resort three weeks ago. And he basically introduced himself to his employees over the last two weeks, firing all of them. He fired about 1,200 people in the last couple of weeks. And that was a a real eye-opener for me in terms of the vast numbers. And I started looking to see the expected unemployment levels are 30%, which is higher than the Great Depression. Now, our hope is that it's not going to last as long as the Great Depression did, but still at 30% unemployment, uh, as you said, with so many half of Americans not having a week's savings, I mean, not being able to come up with $500 cash uh, at all. And what are are they going to do? I mean, it's uh, it's kind of shocking. I, I live in a I'm a priest, obviously, but I also live in an academic environment. So the cascade of events were almost uh, humorous in the way that they unfolded. I think you and I maybe talked a a week ago, Tuesday or something like that. And uh, maybe that day or or Wednesday, uh, maybe it was even Thursday morning. Anyway, the president of St. Vincent College had addressed the monastic community Wednesday night and said, you know, we've looked at everything, where our students are. Uh, we think that we can keep them safe here. We don't have any incidents of coronavirus here on campus. We can kind of quarantine the campus, keep school in session, keep everybody here. That's going to be safer for them, for all of us. That was Wednesday evening. By Thursday at noon, the letter went out. We're closing down the school. We're sending everybody home. This is the evacuation plan, essentially. This is the online education plan. This is what we're going to roll out. I mean, it was with 12 hours later, practically, maybe 16 hours later, he was just just the opposite. And then the cascade from that to uh, then over the weekend, the closing of non-essential businesses coming Monday and uh, and then all non-life-sustaining businesses coming that Thursday into Friday into this weekend. So, I, you know, I gave a, just as things were still opening up, uh, it was kind of borderline whether I had a small retreat that I was giving last, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. So the, the weekend of whatever that is, the 13th to the 15th of March. And uh, so we went ahead with the retreat. And it was so different that Friday, it seemed like a good idea. Saturday, it seemed like not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, that's just how rapidly everything has 
been changing in terms of our awareness of, you know, the what, some at least the measures that people are taking, you know. So, um, how do you balance those measures? And then, like we talked about before, you, you can't overwhelm. If you overwhelm the ho the hospital system, some the the Imperial Colleges uh, in the UK did a simulation and basically estimated the the death rates for like the United States would be about two million if basically everybody gets the disease whatever you know uh, more or less but in a in a spread out way if you overwhelm the healthcare system then you're looking at a death rate of about four million uh, and four million is a lot of people the uh even two million is a lot of people but in order to reduce the two million number you need to actually have a working vaccine so that you can get everybody sick in a safe way you know to think of it that way and that's to actually develop a vaccine is like an 18 month project. So are you, are you going to quarantine everybody for 18 months? And then they say, well, you can lock down for two months, release for one month without having a massive epidemic and then lock down for another two months and release for a month. It's like, wow. Okay. Uh, so anyway, those are some of the, the estimates. Another I, another site that I've been following, there's a uh, Dr. John Campbell, who's a nursing professor in the UK, uh, has been having daily updates, and he's very uh, factual. He's he's an actual nursing professor. He understands epidemiology and is talking through it. So I've I've listened to a number of his uh, broadcasts, and he really focuses on the model. So drawing on the the numbers from China. You can call those into question, but every major world organization is accepting their numbers. But also South Korea has really leveled off the, the curve of, uh, of infection cases. And his analysis is that that's because they do aggressive testing, contact tracing, and quarantining. But by doing aggressive testing, then you actually know where your enemy is so that you can fight him. And then you know you can actually limit the disease theoretically you could you know actually isolate the disease enough but certainly you could limit its spread significantly and you could do it in a much more reasonable way that doesn't require everybody to be quarantined i think of it like this you know if our our monastic community which has about 80 members if we have no contact with the outside world for 2 weeks or we test everybody and nobody's sick we're safe and then if you have another community, maybe of equal size, and that community likewise is either quarantined for two weeks or is all tested, then we're all safe and all of our interactions are going to be fine. There's no 10-person rule. There's no six-foot rule because none of us are sick. You know, that's where like kind of the insanity of the six-foot rule and the 10, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter if nobody's sick. <laughs> those, th those rules only matter if people are sick or might be sick and you're trying to prevent possibly sick people from getting other people sick. But if you know that they're not sick, then you don't need to observe some of these regulations. And then essentially you can start building up a society. But this idea of everybody staying at home for an indefinite period of time, like to what end? Uh, if on the one hand, you're trying to get everybody steadily infected at a slow rate, okay, well, you need people moving around enough to actually get infected then. Otherwise, if you lock everybody down, you take care of everybody who's infected, 
I suppose then you let people go, uh, there's no more disease, but probably it's floating around and then it just breaks open in the population, then you have to lock down again and then you can release. Anyway, it seems a little bit incoherent, but I really appreciated Dr. John Campbell's focus on testing and making sure that we're actually producing the tests that we need and using them uh, liberally to find out who's, who is infected, but also who's been infected, who has antibodies in their system. And then we know people that can go out in the population and they're neither going to infect anybody because they've already conquered the disease in themselves, nor are they gonna get it again. So actually identifying parts of the population that are in different relationships to the disease seems to be really critical. And then you, it seems like you can make more strategic, more of a scalpel, like you said, than, than a, a, a chainsaw approach to containment. Because I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm really concerned about it from the sacramental point of view, you know, after, so the weekend after you and I talked, uh, many dioceses suspended, suspended the obligation to attend mass on Sunday, gave a dispensation so that people who felt like they were in higher risk categories or were just anxious or whatever could be especially cautious. Other people would go. It would reduce populations at mass. It would reduce possibilities for well, a more massive spread. Every diocese in the United States within a couple of days of that weekend suspended masses entirely over the you know over their dioceses so over the entire nation none of the faithful are permitted to attend mass uh, none of the priests are permitted to celebrate a public mass with people attending uh, now that's got all kinds of its own issues that we can talk about that I have some concerns about but but the spiritual impact of that um, and the measures that we're taking, they've already been doing in Italy. They're about 10 days ahead of us in Italy. So everything we're going through, they went through 10 days ago. And the impact in Italy is essentially nothing. Now, their health system is already overwhelmed, which is part of the problem. And so their death rates are going up uh, every day. The, the infection rates are going up every day. I mean, it's really still spreading like wildfire, even though they've been locked down. I mean, I know somebody just outside of Rome and he tells me that the measure has been for two weeks now that uh, the stay-at-home rule, only one person allowed out only to buy groceries. And uh, only four people allowed in the grocery store at a time. And you got to wait out on the street at a safe distance until it's your turn to go in. They've been doing that for two weeks and still their cases are growing and growing. So, yeah, it's uh, was well, very concerning. I mean, and... Uh, I, I, the government officials trying to make these decisions, I mean, they know they're shutting down like my friend's business, this resort that he just, just started working for, which makes a ton of money and serves a lot of people and employs a lot of people. I mean, they were employing 1,200 people. Those, all those people are unemployed now and filing for unemployment. <laughs> That's the other thing, you know, is that whole system is, is just saturated. I think there are 70,000 people that have, uh, that have applied for unemployment in the last couple of days. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it's very, very problematic. And, and from the church's perspective, again, you know, understanding what we're doing, they on the one hand say six feet separation. On the other hand, they say 10 people in a place, 
Well, that's contradictory when you're talking about a church. You can be six feet apart and have more ten, more than 10 people in our Arch Abbey Basilica and in a lot of the big churches. Churches that seat 1,200 people can have much more than 10 people in them at six feet distance. So can't we start doing something to have masses for people? You know, especially if we're going to be doing this for a couple of months. Well, like pick your day of the week, you know, cycle through populations of parishes 50 at a time, 50 per mass, have 10 masses on a Sunday, and you can accommodate maybe 500 people 50 at a time. And then maybe that doesn't cover you, but maybe you, you get to be on the next week's rotation. Something, you know, something to show that the mass isn't just something that you can like shut down indefinitely and it doesn't matter. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, so on that note, certainly, um, I know that based upon what the governor just said, we're shut down um, basically to Palm Sunday. Um, and what our um, local priests did is they are basically putting putting a daily mass up on live streaming it every day um, from you know one of the various locations that are allowed to be at, and um, you know that's that's a, that's their way of attempting. It's at least you can put yourself in a place. Teresa and I actually rearranged our entire living room, kind of a, took everything out of it, except for two meager chairs, I guess would be the way to describe it. Um, certainly not the comfy ones um, that we were in and just, um, you know, observe watching the mass through the TV. And, you know, obviously that's not something you could have done 20 years ago, let alone before that, but it, it, it's something we're trying to do now. Uh, the the whole issue with to me is is that yes this is something that that if it overwhelms your healthcare system it creates panic um, but even where it's at its worst where it's been overrun this isn't necessarily more deadly than other diseases or ve- way more other things that we accept in terms of rates around the world and, and around the country. I mean, the, the stat that they keep putting up on every news outlet is the worldwide numbers. And it's roughly 1% um, as far as people who are, are tested positive that actually pass from it. If you would do the same thing to that many traffic accidents, way more than 1% of the people involved in a traffic accident uh, pass away. So it, it's it's, to me... Uh, not saying it's something you root for and that you want, but it seems to be that this is panic and a lot of people just don't want to be the guy who was in charge if something would happen. So it's, you don't get in trouble if you shut everything down today, but when you wake up tomorrow and you have no employees, now sure, your resort, you might be able to hire another 1,200 people if it's if it's a low stake job that doesn't need training but for the majority of high trained jobs you can't replace those overnight and the issue that that specifically in my industry that i can speak to directly is in all of their role manipulations uh they came out and said you can't evict people okay that that's fine so let's look at the reality of it you can't evict someone now basically means you can't bring in a new tenant either 
because if I can't get rid of you, I can't bring you in. It's, it's the same rule as you don't hire someone you can't fire. So now every single tenant who wants to get a new place is going through much more intense scrutiny than they would have last month. As a result, they are, the tenant pays for all those profiles. So the tenant's paying for the background checks and the whole nine yards that got added to it. So it's more expensive for them to move. Um, and the other part is, is that you can't get rid of bad tenants you have now. So you just multiply that effect throughout the world, or at least throughout the, uh, the country, is that I'm not getting money from a tenant. That's why I want to evict them. They have no incentive to take care of the property because they know they're going to be evicted as soon as it's over. And normally that process in the worst case scenario is 20 days from them not paying to me being able to have someone in there to start cleaning up the place. Now it's effectively indefinitely and the lost revenue will never come back. And this is an industry wide problem. This isn't just me. So you're going to have, properties that have a mass wave of evictions for as soon as you can, you're going to have massive people getting evicted. The supply of properties that are going to be deemed livable by just the marketplace is going to be incredibly low because the properties just got ruined and you're not going to have the money or the time to fix them. And you're going to have as a result, rapidly higher rents just from one decision saying that you cannot evict people, that will be the byproduct when we come around here in the summertime, if we're even allowed to do anything in the summertime. And the longer the problem goes, the more it compounds. All of these extra roles to save people from getting corona, knowing that the majority of people will walk it off, even though it won't be happy, but they will, is going to cause problems that you cannot walk off. We essentially just created a recession and hopefully it stops at our shores. But as a general rule, when America gets into bad recessions or whoever the leading economy is at that point in the world's history, the likelihood for way, way larger problems skyrockets. That's a historical fact and we are intentionally causing a recession because no one who's in charge wants to stand up and say, I'm not turning my economy off. I want my people to still go to work. So it's a, um, like I said, it, it, to me, it's, it, it's, it's a chainsaw whenever um, a scalpel could be used. Keeping everyone at home for 14 days doesn't stop this thing. It's not like the disease has a lifespan where it dies out in 14 days. It's 14 days from you getting it till you show a symptom. Okay, right. that's cool. If you're asymptomatic, you never show a symptom. And you don't even know if you've been spreading it. There's an age line, which most workers are, that you're more likely to be asymptomatic or not showing symptoms. So therefore, you're going to be at home thinking you're completely fine and just getting really frustrated that you have no money. And you're going to get stressed out. And basically, because we've cut out real human connection, nowhere to turn. So all that's going to be left is the internet. And we all discussed many times on this podcast how that is not a filter of positivity by any stretch of the imagination. And it's going to have um, colossal problems. And I was having a discussion with some people who are, you know, in the banking world is we're going to basically put a th hypothesis to the test that 
never should have been had to test is if everyone is in insane debt, does anyone's debt matter? Mm. Countrywide, we're about to have that that question because um, we're putting out a whole lot more money and we're not bringing any of it in. So from a government standpoint, the, the debt will have no choice but to skyrocket. And it's, 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 it's going to be all essentially caused by fear. Fear and panic is what has created the politicians to overreact. Um, and then all the splintering effects therein. Um, when people don't have money or don't have hope of getting money, bad things happen. Um, you know. <laughs> well, even the, uh, you know, one of the, the mass responses after the governor shut down all non-essential businesses was to run to Gander Mountain and buy firearms. Mm-hmm. And apparently firearm stores are just sold out across the state. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that that's, that's people hoard everyone. That's just not hoarding. That's fear. I mean, that that's, if you don't know what's going to happen, that's fear. And that's what panic induces. Um, when it's all said and done, this is the government's version of panicking. Yeah, they're, they're putting up good spokespeople and having them sit down in calm, isolated newsrooms, but their actions are panic. And that's not a good idea. No one wants to be the guy to sit around and say, hey, we're going to let this biology-wise take its course, and we're going to trust our scientists and doctors to take care of it. And we're also going to trust you as individual who's sick to do the right thing. This is, we don't trust you as individuals sick, so everyone's going into detention. Because I don't feel like figuring out the kid who put the spitball on the wall is. So you're all going to detention, whether you like it or not. And they basically just did that nationwide. And you do that for a couple of days, you're going to have a riot in the classroom. <laughs> and who's to think that this great mature country that we have as you can see around us is going to deal much better. Those are the, the types of fears that I have. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I share your, I, I, you know, it looks like governor Wolf at least tried to target certain higher density counties in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Uh, so that, as he said, not to underreact, but not to overreact. So it, it's already an effort at moderating it all around us. Ohio shut everything down. New Jersey mm-hmm. shut everything down. New York shut everything down. Sure. You know, for uh, for him actually to take a moderate approach is is uh, is a step. But my concern yeah. is like yours, Joe. It's like, what's what's the end game? You know, what are we? What's going to happen after two weeks or four weeks or eight weeks or when have you stayed at home long enough? When do you know that it's safe to go out? You know, when what what are we waiting for? Are we waiting for a vaccine? That's going to be eighteen months. You know, are we waiting for a treatment plan? Are we waiting for a certain percentage of the population to get infected so that we can be feel safe about you know having enough hospital beds? Are we waiting for enough tests to be produced? Are we like what are, what are we waiting for? And and there I'm sure there are people who have answers to those questions. I you know I don't think it's panic in the sense that it's completely unthinking behavior. Uh, I'm sure that they're you know the government is discussing those kinds of things, but well, sure. it's it's difficult for us to know how to appropriate that when we don't have a little more clarity, kind of like the 10, the six foot or the 10 people in a room, you know, if I know what it is that I'm doing, 
then I can make some adjustments. So I know a, a Ukrainian Catholic priest had mass at a cemetery chapel. He had 300 people in the parking lot in cars who could tune into the mass on the radio, which he broadcast on a kind of short distance thing. And then he, uh, the way they give communion in the Byzantine churches with a spoon, a little bit of precious blood and a little, or just the little host that's been in the precious blood and use a spoon. So he had 300 sterile spoons that he used to give communion to uh, all of these 300 people who were there in their cars, in the parking lot, attending the divine liturgy, you know? So anyway, it's like, if I have some clarity on what it is that I'm supposed to avoid, I'm happy to play with according to the rules, but I need to understand it well enough that I can innovate a little bit for my own setting so that people can be nourished with the sacraments because not only does that have a spiritual impact, which matters, I have a number of exorcist connections and a lot of them are praying the Leo Thirteenth prayers of minor of uh, simple exorcism, seeing that there, there are so many evil spirits that are at work through this. Okay, so let's try, you know, apply some spiritual remedies against evil spirits in favor of the good, applying the, the, the sacraments, nourishing people, which also overflows into human and psychological, you know, positive impacts. So anyway, these are the kinds of things that, uh, that you, you want to see happen. Sure. And, and, and yeah, that, that's all that is true. And we could probably go on much more, but by the time the second episode comes out, um, most of this stuff could be dated with how quickly it's changing. And, and you are true that, that Wolf is, is being a little bit more scalpel than most. And he did give a very adequate answer in that he's trying to buy time so that the health system can catch up because obviously they weren't expecting something with this type of hysteria around it. Uh, but it doesn't change the core concept that they don't trust individuals who get sick to take care of themselves. And once that that is the case that's caused that's the fundamental background of all of this. They don't trust that you get sick, that you'll take care of yourself. So they have to treat you as incapable. And that's what the majority of this is again, by their actions. Um, there's six people in the hospital in Allegheny County and there's 800,000 people in the city. So th those numbers might be a little bit wrong, but the six people in the hospitals, right? Um, we are the 20th largest TV market in, in the country. So, we have some people here and to have the whole thing shut down for 46 positive tests um, is making a lot of people not going to get a paycheck for essentially um, the rest of this month and half of the next month. And the dangers of that drastically exceed it, especially without positive outflows, which the mass certainly is one that, that brings you to positive outcomes. Um, it's one of the things I've, tried to focus on talking about throughout these podcasts throughout the years is that there's a very real tangible effect of having the mass and therefore likewise not having a spirituality in a mass will have the same negative effect and that's what you're getting at, and that's that's very true so again we apologize for going a little bit long in today's episode and not actually having as positive as we like to but um part of my job is to sit back and look at the bigger picture. So we do thank everyone out there for listening and we do thank you guys for helping to spread the cast. One of the perks of no one being able to go to work is that our listenership has definitely grown. Um, wouldn't, <laughs> like it to, wouldn't like it to happen this way, but nonetheless, it is still the case. So we thank you guys for being out there. 
Um, obviously, some of the, the past episodes are a little bit more positive, but we'd like to keep everything in perspective and go from there. So thank you. We'll be with you again here next week.